The following sermon by Charles Spurgeon is called The Star and the Wise Men. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? That is born king of the Jews, for we have seen a star in the east. And are come to worship him, Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with succeeding great joy, Matthew 2, verses 9 and 10. See, dear friends, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, even in a state of humiliation. He is born of lowly parents laid in a manger and wrapped in swaddling bands, but lo, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places are in commotion. First, one angel descends to proclaim the advent of the newborn king, and suddenly there is with him a multitude of the heavenly hosts singing glory unto God. Nor was the commotion confined to the spirits above, for in the heavens which overhang this scene there is a stir. A star is deputed on behalf of all the stars as if he were the envoy and plenipotentiary of all worlds to represent them before their king. This star is put in commission to wait upon the Lord, to be his herald to men afar off, his usher to conduct them to his presence, and his bodyguard to sentinel his cradle. Earth too is stirred. Shepherds have come to pay the homage of simple-minded ones. With all love and joy they bow before the mysterious child, and after them from afar come the choice and flower of their generation. The most studious minds of the age, making a long and difficult journey, they too at last arrive. The representatives of the Gentiles, lo, the kings of Seba and Sheba offer gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wise men. The leaders of their peoples bow down before him and pay homage to the Son of God. Wherever Christ is, he is honorable. Unto you that believe, he is honor. In a day of small things, when the cause of God is denied entertainment, and is hidden away with things which are despised, it is still most glorious. Christ, though a child, is still King of Kings. Though among the oxen, he is still distinguished by his star. Beloved friends, if wise men of old came to Jesus and worshipped, should not we come also? My intense desire this morning is that we all may pay homage to him of whom we sing, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Let those of us who have long worshipped, worshipped anew with yet lowlier reverence and intenser love. And God grant, oh, that he would grant it, that some who are far off from him spiritually as a magi were far off locally may come today and ask, Where is he? Did his born king of the Jews? For we have come to worship him. May feet that have been accustomed to broad roads, but unaccustomed to the narrow path, this day pursue that way till they see Jesus and bow before him with all their hearts, finding salvation in him. These wise men came naturally, traversing the desert. Let us come spiritually, leaving our sins. 
These were guided by the sight of a star. Let us be guided by faith and the divine spirit, by the teaching of his word and all those blessed lights which the Lord uses to conduct men to himself. Only let us come to Jesus. It was well to come unto the babe Jesus, led by the feeble beams of a star. You shall find it still more blessed to come to him now that he is exalted in the highest heavens, and by his own light reveals his own perfect glory. Delay not. For this day he cries, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let us gather light from the star, and then let us gather wisdom from those wise men. And finally, let us act as wise men helped by our own particular star. First then, let us gather light from this star. May the Spirit of the Lord enable us so to do. I suppose you have each one its own imagination as to what this star was. It would seem to have been altogether supernatural, and not a star, or a comet of the ordinary kind. It was not a constellation nor a singular conjunction of planets. There is nothing in the scriptures to support such a conjecture. In all probability, it was not a star in the sense in which we now speak of stars. For we find that it moved before the wise men, then suddenly disappeared and again shone forth to move before them. It could not have been a star in the upper spheres like others for such movements would not have been possible. Some have supposed that the wise men went in the direction in which the star shone forth in the heavens and followed the changes of its position. But it could not in that case have been said that it stood over the place where the young child was. If the star was at its zenith over Bethlehem, it would have been in its zenith over Jerusalem too, for the distance is so small that it would not have been possible to observe any difference in the position of the star in the two places. It must have been a star occupying quite another sphere from that in which the planets revolve. We believe it to have been a luminous appearance in midair, probably akin to that which led the children of Israel through the wilderness, which was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Whether it was seen in the daylight or not, we cannot tell. Chrysostom and the early fathers are wonderfully positive about many things, which scriptures leaves in doubt. But as these eminent divines drew upon their imagination for their facts, we are not under bonds to follow them. They aver that the star was so bright as to be visible all day long. If so, we can imagine the wise men traveling day and night, but if it could be seen only by night, the picture before us grows far more singular and weird, like as we see these Easterners quietly pursuing their starlit way, resting perforce when the sun was up, but noiselessly hurrying at night through slumbering lands. These questions are not much of importance to us, therefore we will not dwell long upon them. Only. Here's a first lesson. If it should ever be that men should fail to preach the gospel, God conducts souls to his son by a star. Ah, say not only by a star, but by a stone, a bird, a blade of grass, a drop of dew, 
Remember that omnipotence has servants everywhere. Therefore, do not despond when you hear that one minister has ceased to preach the gospel, or that another is fighting against the viral truth of God. Their apostasy shall be to their own laws, rather than to the herd of Jesus and his church, and sad, though it be to see the lamps of the sanctuary put out. Yet, God is not dependent upon human lights. He is the Shekinah light of his own holy place. Mortal tongues, if they refuse to preach his word, shall have their places supplied by books and unrunning brooks, and sermons in stones. The beam shall cry out of the wall, and the timber shall answer it. When chief priests and scribes have all gone out of the way, the Lord put stars into commission, and once more in a very deed the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament to show in his handiwork. Sooner than lack speakers for the incarnate God, mounds and hills shall learn eloquence and break forth into testimony. Jehovah's message shall be made known to the utmost ends of the earth. God shall save his own elect. He shall give to Christ to see of the travail of his soul and to be satisfied. His counsel shall stand and he will do all his pleasure. Alleluia. Now when the Lord does use a star to be his minister, what is the order of his ministry? We may learn by this inquiry what kind of ministry God would have ours to be if we are stars in his right hand. We also shine his lights in the world. Let us see how to do it. We notice first his star preaching is all about Christ. We do not know what the color of the star was, nor the shape of the star, nor to what magnitude it had attained. These items are not recorded, but what is recorded is of much more importance. The wise man said, We have seen his star, then the star which the Lord will use to lead men to Jesus must be Christ's own star, the faithful minister. Like this star belongs to Christ. He is Christ's own man in the most emphatic sense. Before we can expect to be made a blessing, dear friends, we must ourselves be blessed of the Lord. If we would cause others to belong to Jesus, we must belong wholly to Jesus ourselves. Every beam in that star shone forth for Jesus. It was his star, always and only and altogether. It shone not for itself, but only as his star, as such it was known and spoken of. We have seen his star. As I have already said, there is no note taken of any peculiarity that it had except this one, that it was a star of the king. I wish that you and I, whatever our eccentricities or personalities may be, may never make so much of them as to attract men's attention to them. May people never dwell upon our attainments or our deficiencies, but may they always observe this one thing. Did we are men of God? Did we are ambassadors of Christ? Did we are Christ's servants? And do not attempt to shine for ourselves or to make ourselves conspicuous, but that we labor to shine for him, that his way may be known upon earth his saving health, 
among all people. Brother, it is well for us to forget ourselves and our message, to sink ourselves and our master. We know the names of several of the stars, yet they may each one envy that star which remains anonymous, but can never be forgotten, because men who sought the king of Israel knew it as his star, though you be but a very little star, twinkling for Jesus. However feeble your light may be, be it plain that you are his star, so that if men wonder what you are, they may never wonder whose you are. For on your very forefront it shall be written whose I am and whom I serve. God will not lead men to Christ by us unless we are Christ's heartily, wholly, unreservedly. In his temple our Lord uses no borrowed vessels. Every bowl before the altar must be his own. It is not consistent with the glory of God for him to use borrowed vessels. He is not so poor as that comes to. This lesson is worthy of all acceptation. Are you in a hurry to preach, young man? Are you sure you are Christ's? Do you think it must be a fine thing to hold a company or people listening to your words? Have you looked at it in another light? Have you weighed the responsibility of having to speak as Christ would have you speak, and of yielding yourself and your entire personality to the utterance of the mind of God? You must be consecrated, and consecrated if you hope to be used of the Lord. If you have one ray or ten thousand rays, all must shine with the one design of guiding men to Jesus. You have nothing now to do with any object, subject, design, or endeavor but Jesus only, in him, and for him, and to him must you live henceforth, or you will never be chosen of the Lord to conduct either wise men or babes to Jesus. See ye well to it that perfect consecration be yours. Note next that true star preaching leads to Christ. The star was Christ's star itself. But it also led others to Christ. It did this very much because it moved in that direction. It is a sad thing when a preacher is like a signpost, pointing away but never following it on its own account. Such were those chief priests at Jerusalem. They could tell where Christ was born, but they never went to worship him. They were indifferent altogether to him and to his birth. The star that leads to Christ must always be going to Christ. Men are far better drawn by example than driven by exhortation. Personal piety alone can be owned of God to the production of piety in others. Go, say you, but they will not go. Say, come, and lead the way. Then they will come. Do not the sheep follow the shepherd? He who would lead others to Christ should go before them himself, having his face towards his master, his eyes towards his master, his steps towards his master, his heart towards his master. We are so to live that we may, without boasting, exhort those around us to have us for an example. Oh, that all who think themselves to be stars would themselves diligently move towards the Lord Jesus. The star in the east led wise men to Christ because it went that way itself. There is a wisdom and example which truly wise men are quick to perceive. 
This star had such an influence upon the chosen men that they could not but follow it. It charmed them across a desert. Such a charm may reside in you and in me, and we may exercise a powerful ministry over many hearts, being to them as lodestones, drawing them to the Lord Jesus. Happy privilege. We would not merely show the road, but induce our neighbors to enter upon it. We read of one of old, not that they told him of Jesus, but that they brought him to Jesus. We are not only to tell the story of the cross, but we are to persuade men to fly to the crucified one for salvation. Did not the king in the parable say to his servants, Compel them to come in? Assuredly, he girds his own messengers with such a compelling power that men cannot hold out any longer, but must follow their lead and bow at the king's feet. The star did not draw, as it were, with a cart rope, nor by any force material and physical, yet it drew these wise men from the remote east right to the manger of the newborn child. And so, though we have no arm of the law to help us, nor patronage, nor pomp of eloquence, nor parade of learning, yet we have a spiritual power by which we draw to Jesus thousands who are our joy and crown. The man sent of God comes forth from the divine presence, permeated with a power which makes men turn to the Savior and live. Oh, that such power might go forth from all God's ministers, yea, from all God's servants engaged in street preaching, in Sunday schools, in tract visitation, and in every form of holy service. God uses those whose aim and intent it is to draw men to Christ. He puts a spirit into them, by which spirit they are helped to set forth the Lord Jesus as so lovely and desirable that men run to him and accept his glorious salvation. It is a small thing to shine, but it is a great thing to draw. Any castaway may be brilliant, but only the real saint will be attractive for Jesus. I would not pray to be an orator, but I do pray to be a soul winner. Do not aim, beloved brethren, at anything short of leading men to Jesus. Do not be satisfied to lead them to orthodox doctrine or merely to bring them to a belief in those views which you hold to be scriptural, valuable as that may be. It is to the person of the incarnate God that we must bring them to his feet. We must conduct them that they may worship him. Our mission is not accomplished. It is a total failure unless we conduct our hearers to the house where Jesus dwells. And then stand over them, keeping watch over their souls for Jesus' sake. Once more, the star which God used in this case was a star that stopped at Jesus. It went before the wise men till it brought them to Jesus. And then it stood still over the place where the young child was. I admire the manner of this star. There are remarkable stars in the theological sky at the present time. They have led men to Jesus, so they say, and now they lead them into regions beyond, of yet undeveloped thought. The gospel of the Puritans is old-fashioned. These men have discovered that it is unsuitable for the enlarged intellects of the times. And so these stars would guide us further still. To this order of wandering stars, I do not belong myself and trust I never shall. Progress beyond the gospel I have no desire for. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
When the star had come to the place where the young child was, it stood still. And so should the gracious mind become settled, fixed, immovable. The wise man knew where to find that star and where to find the young child by it. So be it with us, O you that have hitherto been diligent in leading souls to Christ. Never indulge for a single moment the notion that you need a broader philosophy or a deeper spirituality than are to be found in Jesus. Abide in him. Cry. Oh God, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. There is nothing beyond Christ which is worth a moment's thought. Do not lose your paradise in Christ for another taste of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, which ruined our first parents. Stick you to the old points. Your one subject, Christ. Your one object, to bring men to Christ. Your one glory, the glory of Christ. Standing by your Lord and there alone, from this day to the last day, you will secure a happy, honored, and holy life. They said of Greece after her fall that it had become so ruined that you might search for Greece and Greece and fail to find it. I fear I must say that some professed preachers of the gospel of Rome so far away from it that you cannot find a gospel in their gospel, nor Christ himself in the Christ they preach. So far have some diverged from the grand essential soul-saving truth beyond which no man ought to dare think of going, that they retain nothing of Christianity but the name. All that is beyond truth is a lie. Anything beyond revelation is at best a minor manner, and most probably is an old wise fable, even though he may be of the masculine gender who invented it. Stand you to your colors, you, who hope to be used of the Lord. Abide so that men shall find you in twenty years' time shining for Jesus and pointing to the place where the Savior is to be found, even as you are doing now. Let Jesus Christ be your ultimatum. Your work is done when you bring souls to Jesus and help to keep them there by being yourself steadfast, unmovable. Do not be carried away from the hope of your calling, but hold fast even the form of sound words. For it may be that in letting go of the form, you may lose a substance also.